Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Horror After Hours. I'm your host, the Naughty Guy, Adam J. And I know that I haven't been on for a while and I sincerely apologize that it's been so long. But there have been a few things happening here lately. Mainly me, be get, me being really sick and completely losing my voice. Uh, then I've had, I've also been working really hard to prepare for two art shows that are coming up here within the next few weeks. Anyway, I'm finally back, and on this episode, I'll be talking about a great horror movie, John Carpenter's The Fog, 1979. But I'll get back to that in a few minutes for a bit of advertising. First of all, if you're looking for a nice and comfortable place to stay during your visit to Ketchikan, check out Bear Crossing Bed and Breakfast. You can find us on the Airbnb app and also on our page on Facebook. The house overlooks the center of downtown Ketchikan with very nice views and very comfortable rooms. Contact us through the Airbnb app or Facebook for any details. Once again, that is Bear Crossing Bed and Breakfast. Next, I'll have a table at the Winter Arts Fair, which is put on by the Ketchikan Area Arts and Humanities Council in the Saxman Community Center. I will be displaying my work of different knots and other fun things like Christmas decorations, Christmas wreaths, but there'll be a lot more to see. So make sure to look for the Naughty Guy. So please come out to the Saxman Community Center and support not just myself, but all of the local artists. There will be plenty of good food, great company, and lots of fun things to see and do. The Winter Arts Fair begins with the opening gala reception on Friday evening of November the 29th. The doors open at 5 p.m. and will stay open until 8 p.m. It's a good time to shop and enjoy special hors d'oeuvres and a drink menu. The opening gala event has a $5 entry fee, so come for an elegant evening out, get your holiday shopping done, and all the booths will be open from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can come and enjoy the Winter Arts Fair, art booths, and food vendors on Saturday and Sunday for free admission. So if you are in the Ketchikan area on November the 29th to December the 1st, come see all the local artists or just come for the experience. I guarantee that you won't be disappointed. It'll be a lot of fun for everyone. So come check it out. All right, so next is the Ketchikan Art Walk on December 6th. Again, there is so much to see and do, and it is always a lot of fun. Come and support all the local artists I will have a table set up at Bond Street Brewery, and again, look for the Naughty Guy. I will have all of my artwork and not work on display. I also take special orders, so come check it out. Again, it should be a lot of fun. Okay, so finally, let's get down to the movie. This was The Fog. It was made in 1979. It was released in 1980. It was an American supernatural horror film directed by John Carpenter, who also co-wrote the screenplay and created the music for the film. The film stars Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, Janet Leigh, who is the late mother of Jamie Lee, by the way, Tom Atkins, and Hal Holbrook. It tells the story of a strange glowing fog that sweeps over a small town in Northern California, bringing with it the vengeful ghosts of mariners who were killed in a shipwreck there a hundred years before. 
great movie. I love this one. It's one of my personal favorites. So, if you haven't seen it, I, I suggest you check it out. The Fog received mixed reviews upon its release, but it was a hit at the box office, making over $21 million domestically on a budget of just $1.1 million. Since its release, it's been received, or it has received more positive retrospective reviews and has become a real cult classic. A remake of this film was made in 2005 to very negative reviews for very good reason. I hated that movie. And I can't stress it enough how much I hated that movie. But anyway, <laughs> back to back to the subject at hand here, which is the 1979 film. Okay, so as the fictional town of Antonio Bay, California, which is actually Point Reyes, California, is about to celebrate its 100th anniversary, paranormal activity begins occurring at midnight. The town priest, Father Malone, is in his church when a piece of masonry falls out of the wall, revealing an, in it a cavity containing an old journal. It turns out that this journal is his grandfather's journal from a century earlier, and it reveals that in 1880, the six founders of Antonio Bay, including Malone's grandfather, plundered and deliberately sank a clipper ship named the Elizabeth Dane. The ship was owned by Blake, a wealthy man with leprosy, leprosy, sorry, who wanted to establish a leper colony nearby. The gold from the ship was used to build Antonio Bay and its church. Meanwhile, three fishermen are out at sea when a strange glowing fog envelops the trawler. The fog brings it with it, brings with it the Elizabeth Dane, carrying vengeful revenants of Blake and his crew to kill the fishermen. Meanwhile, town resident Nick Castle, played by Tom Atkins, is driving home and picks up a young hitchhiker named Elizabeth Sully, who is played by Jamie Lee Curtis. As they drive towards town, all the truck's windows inexplicably shatter. And it's just like outward explosion. It's awesome. Scare the hell out of most people. <laughs> anyway. The following morning, the local radio DJ, Stevie Wayne, is given, who is played by uh, Adrian Barbeau, by the way, is given a piece of driftwood by her son Andy. It is inscribed with the word Dane, and Andy says he found it on the beach. Intrigued? Well, actually, when Andy first saw it in the movie, he saw a gold coin reflecting sun off the rocks. So when he went to go run after it, a wave washed over the gold coin. And when the wave pulled back, it wasn't a coin anymore. Now it was a piece of wood that said Dane. Okay. So now, Andy takes it home. He shows his mom. She's totally intrigued. She takes it with her to the lighthouse where she broadcasts her radio show. I have actually been out to this lighthouse in Point Reyes, California. It was so incredible. I mean, I can't speak enough about it. Um, the views, the historic lighthouse, everything was just totally astonishing. And if you ever get the chance, go check it out. I would love to go back myself. We'll see if that happens. Anyway, she sits down the wood next to a tape player that is playing her promos 
for her radio show. But the wood inexplicably begins to seep water, causing the tape player to short circuit. And then you hear a mysterious man's evil voice starts emerging from the tape player swearing revenge, and the words six must die appear on the wood before it bursts in the flame. Stevie quickly extinguishes the fire, but she then sees that the wood once again reads Dane. The tape player begins working normally again. So after locating the missing trawler, Nick and Elizabeth, both played by Tommy Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis, find the corpse of one, one of the fishermen named Dick Baxter. Both of his eyes have been gouged out. The other two are still missing one of whom is the husband of Kathy Williams, who is overseeing the town's centennial celebrations. While Elizabeth is alone in the autopsy room, Baxter's corpse rises from the autopsy table and approaches her. As she screams, Nick and the coroner, Dr. Phibes, or Phoebes, whatever it is, rush into the room where they see the corpse lifeless again on the floor, upon which... Uh, he, as he fell, carved the number three. That evening, as the town's celebrations begin, local weatherman Dan calls Steve at, Stevie at the radio station to tell her that another fog bank has appeared and is moving towards town. As they start talking, the fog gathers outside the weather station, and Dan hears a knock at the door. He answers it and is slaughtered by the revenants as Stevie listens in horror. As Stevie proceeds with her radio show, the fog starts moving inland, disrupting the town's telephone power, telephone and power lines, I'm sorry. Using a backup generator, she begs her listeners to go to her house and save her son when she sees the fog closing in from the lighthouse at Vantage Point. As the fog envelops Stevie's house, the revenants kill her son's babysitter, Mrs. Colberts. They then pursue Andy, but Nick arrives just in time to rescue him. Stevie advises everyone to head to the town's church. Once inside, Nick, Elizabeth, Andy, Kathy, her assistant Sandy, and Father Malone take refuge in a back room as the fog arrives outside. Inside the room, they locate a gold cross in the wall, cavity which uh, is made of the stolen gold from the Elizabeth Dane. As the revenants begin their attack, Father Malone takes the gold cross out into the chapel. Knowing that they have returned to take the six lives in lieu of the six original conspirators who led them to their deaths. Malone offers the gold and himself to take or to Blake and to spare the others at the lighthouse. More revenants attack Stevie, trapping her on her roof inside the church. Blake seizes the gold cross, which begins to glow. Uh, Nick pulls Father Malone away just seconds before the cross disappears in a blinding flash of light along with Blake and his crew. You know, Blake was also played by the director, John Carpenter, himself. Very awesome movie. I love this movie. Everything about it. <laughs> I can't say enough about it. So after Blake and his crew vanish, 
the fog vanishes. Later that night, Malone is alone in the church, pondering why Blake did not take him, and thus taking the six lives. The fog then reappears inside the church, along with the revenants and Blake. And a, a very surprise ending decapitates Father Malone. Okay, so in a nutshell, that was the synopsis of this great movie. And once again, I can't say enough about this one. It's always been one of my favorites. Uh, Adrian Barbeau plays Stevie Wayne, Jamie Lee Curtis, Elizabeth Sully, Janet Lee plays Kathy Williams, John Houseman plays Mr. Macon, Tom Atkins as Nick Castle, uh, Charles Cipher as Dan O'Bannon, he's the weatherman, Nancy Loomis plays Sandy Fidel, she was also in Halloween, love uh, Nancy Loomis, she's awesome. Um, Hal Holbrook plays Father Malone. Um, I guess I was wrong about uh, Blake because that was done by the special effects artist named Rob Botine. So my apologies on that. Um, John Carpenter does make a brief appearance in this movie. He is assisting Father Malone in the cleaning of the church and taking care of the day-to-day -day routine there. But you only see him for about a minute. And wasn't that great. <laughs> so, a little about the movie. Point Reyes Lighthouse, where many of Adrian Barbeau's scenes were shot. Carpenter said that the inspiration for the story was partly drawn from the British film the Trollenberg Terror, 1958, which dealt with monsters hiding in the clouds. He has also said that he was inspired by a visit to Stonehenge with his co-writer, co-producer, and then-girlfriend, Deborah Hill, while they were in England promoting Assault on Precinct 13. Carpenter and Hill visited the site in the late afternoon one day. They saw an eerie fog off in the distance. Uh, in the DVD audio commentary for the film, Carpenter noted that the story of the deliberate wreckage of a ship and its subsequent plundering was based on an actual event that took place in the 19th century near Goleta, California. This event was portrayed more directly in the 1975 Tom Laughlin film, The Master Gunfighter. The premise also bears strong resemblance to Massimo Pupilo, 1965 Terror Creatures from the Grave as well as the John Greenleaf Whittier poem The Wreck of the Palatine or Palatine, sorry which appeared at the Atlantic Monthly in 1867 About the wreck of the ship the Princess Augusta in 1738 at Block Island within Rhode Island the Fog was a two-picture deal with Avco Embassy, along with Escape from New York, 1981, and was shot on a reported budget of $1 million. Although this was essentially a low-budget independent film, Carpenter chose, the, chose to shoot the film on an anamorphic format, preventing it from looking like a low-budget horror film. Filming took place 
from April to May 1979 at Raleigh Studios in Hollywood, California for the interior scenes and on location at Point Reyes, California, Bolinas, California, Inverness, California, and the Episcopal Church of the Ascension in the Sierra Madre, California. After viewing a rough cut of the film, John Carpenter was dissatisfied with the results. Recalling the experience, Carpenter commented, It was terrible. I had a movie that didn't work, and I knew in my heart. So, Carpenter subsequently added the prologue with Mr. Macon, which was done so masterfully at the beginning of this movie, that is part of it that makes the whole movie come together. It's awesome. Telling ghost stories to fascinated children by a campfire, uh, Houseman played a similar role in the opening of the 1981 film, Ghost Story. Also another good movie. Uh, that was 1981. Carpenter added several other new scenes and reshot others in order to make the film more comprehensible, more frightening, and gorier. Carpenter and Hill have said the necessity of a reshoot became uh, especially clear to them after they realized the fog would ha have to compete with horror films that had high gore content. Um, actually, a lot of them were a lot scarier. But you look at it, and approximately about a third of the film, uh, a third of the finished film is the newer footage, and it increasing the film's budget slightly to $1.1 million. Cast as the female lead was Adrienne Barbeau, who at the time was John Carpenter's wife. She had appeared in Carpenter's TV movie, Someone's Watching Me, in 1978. It was her first feature film. Also a good movie. Barbeau appeared in Carpenter's next film, Escape from New York, 1981. Tom Atkins, a friend of Barbeau's, was cast as Nick Castle. The Fog was Atkins' first appearance in a Carpenter film and appeared in Carpenter's next film, Escape from New York, 1981, and Halloween III, Season of the Witch, which was produced and scored by Carpenter himself. Jamie Lee Curtis, who was the main star of Carpenter's 1970 hit Halloween, my all-time favorite scary movie. Uh, she appeared in The Fog as Elizabeth. Commenting on her role <clears throat> on appearing in another of Carpenter's films, she said, That's what I love about John. He's letting me explore different aspects of myself. I'm spoiled rotten by now. Uh, my next director is going to be almost a letdown. This was the first collaboration between Carpenter and character actor George Buck Flower, who would go on to appear in four more films directed by Carpenter. Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, and Tom Atkins went on to appear in the horror film Creepshow in 1982. Also a great movie. Oh, I love that one. Now there's a TV show based on this. The TV show is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Subscribe to Shudder. Whatever you gotta do, check out Creepshow. If you like scary movies, scary TV shows, Creepshow is one to watch. You're gonna love it. I know I do. Okay, so... Besides the fact that many of the actors in The Fog also appeared in Halloween and other later Carpenter films, several characters in The Fog are named after people that 
Carpenter had collaborated with on previous films. Dan O'Bannon is a screenwriter who worked with Carpenter on Dark Star, 1974. Nick Castle is the actor who played Michael Myers in Halloween, a.k.a. The Shape, and co-wrote Escape from New York, 1981. Tommy Wallace has worked with Carpenter as an editor, art designer, and sound designer on several of his films in the 1970s and 1980s. Richard Kobritz, the producer of Carpenter's 1978 TV film, Someone's Watching Me, inspired the same or inspired the name of the character Mrs. Kobritz. Other references that are interwoven into the film include the name of the John Houseman character, Mr. Macon, a reference to a Welsh horror fan fantasist, Arthur Macon, a radio report that mentions Arkham Reef and the town's coroner, Dr. Phoebes, was named after the titular character of the horror film starring Vincent Price from the early 1970s. In addition to the final $1.1 million production budget, Avco Embassy spent over $3 million solely on advertising, which included TV spots, radio spots, print ads, and even the placement of fog machines in the lobbies of selected theaters where the film was showing. Now, this is something I would have loved to see, and that just sounds awesome. <laughs> but maybe this is me. A further undisclosed amount was spent on 600 prints of the film, 540 of which were distributed to the American cinemas. Originally, the film was set to release during the 1975 Christmas, or 1979 Christmas season, but Avco Embassy President Bob Ramey opted to wait until February 1980, when there would be less major box office competition, and other films from other films and more theater screens available. The film had a staggered release in various cities beginning February 1st before expanding to further locations later that month. This film made $21.3 million in the United States and Canada. Now I'll rate some of my favorite movies. You know, I would give the original film of The Fog a 5 out of 5 chainsaws. Now, in the early 2010s, Time Out conducted a poll of over 100 authors, directors, actors, and critics who have worked within the horror genre to vote for their top horror films. The Fog placed at number 77 in the top 100 list, which is a respectable number. I mean, there's a lot of horror movies out there. A lot of great ones out there, too, but to be number 77 of the top 100 is pretty respectable. There was a novelization of the movie written by Dennis Etchison, which was published by Bentham Books in January of 1980, which I don't think I've ever actually seen this book, but I would love to get my hands on it. This novel clarifies the implication in the film that the six who must die were not random, but in fact descendants of the six original conspirators. In 2005, the film was remade under the direction of Rupert Wainwright with a screenplay by Cooper Lane and starring Tom Welling and Maggie Grace. Though based on Carpenter and Hill's original screenplay, the remake was made 
more in the vein of a teen horror film, and given a PG-13 rating. The original was rated R and masterfully done. So it was greenlit by Revolution Studios with just 18 pages of script written, and the film was almost universally panned for its poor script and acting, and has a Rotten Tomatoes ranking of just 4%, which is about as bad as a, as bad a rating as a movie can receive from Rotten Tomatoes' website. Uh, fresh or popular movies on Rotten Tomatoes' website are only considered from 60% and above, so the 4% is a rotten rating for this movie. Maybe it is only my personal opinion, but I don't think a horror movie, especially a remake of such a great classic, should be a PG-13 rating. So I rate The Fog 2005 with 1 out of 5 chainsaws for some pretty cool special effects, but still a huge thumbs down in my personal opinion. That is my take on The Fog, and again, if you're in the Ketchikan area, come check out the art shows and support the local artists, and look for the naughty guy. So until next time, folks, thank you so much for listening to Horror After Hours, and I'll see you next time.